Welcome to Wine Girls Uncorked, where emerging sommelier Bellini Becky and wine enthusiast Rosé Ricky sit down to share their love of wine, people, and experiences with each other and with you. In this podcast, you'll hear from wine industry professionals, learn some wine facts, and join Becky and Ricky in sampling wine and wine service products. And don't forget to listen in for our uncorked snippets and interviews from local wine lovers and event attendees. Uncork that bottle of wine and relax with us. Hello, wine lovers. <laughs> Boy, we're off to a great start. We re- always. This is Bellini Becky. And this is Rosé Ricky. And we are here with our friend Paul Jackwin from Vino Villa in Greenwood. Hi, guys. How are you today? And we are so glad you're here with us. Bino Villa is one of my favorite places. Um, I feel like the South Side just doesn't have as many options, so I'm so glad you're there. Well, thanks. We're uh, we're glad we're there too. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to a fellow South Sider, so I get tired of. I mean, I don't get tired of hanging out with Becky, but like I have to come up north with her often. So it's nice to drag her to the South Side and have some delicious wine. Well, and that's we were meeting on the south side intentionally at Vino Villa, not intentionally to meet Paul, but there he was. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I was being stopped. <laughs> um, Actually, I had two meetings at Vino Villa. You did, didn't you? Yeah. A productive and, like, day. Ricky was one of them. And then, and then I was like, oh, we need to talk to Paul. I know, but I'm like, wow. People, Except I didn't know your name was Paul. <laughs> people think of us as stalkers. I'm, I'm, should I be concerned? Should we be concerned? <laughs> I don't know. He still came. He still came to my basement <laughs> podcast <laughs> podcast studio. Basement. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. We do. So this is uh, Wine Girls Uncorked, and we are happy to be here. And I think we're just going to start to kind of jump in and chat with you a little bit, Paul, sure. if that's okay. Love to ask you a bunch of nosy questions. So I like to start by asking people. How you would describe your relationship with wine in seven words or less. I do this at all my wine tastings and things that I do. Okay. Um, seven words or less. Anything but a connoisseur. Oh. oh. Tell me more. So, you know, by, by definition, a, a connoisseur is referred to as an expert judge in a matter of taste. Um, but taste is very subjective, especially when it comes to wine. So... You know, I think connoisseur is a word that is, you know, overused in, in the, the wine world, in my opinion. Hmm. I have to say that's probably the best response we've had to that question thus far. Mm-hmm. Even though there's no wrong responses, that's it most thoughtful. Uh, yeah. He also has notes, uh, which I'm highly impressed about. <laughs> I sent him the questions ahead of time. Well, well it's okay. It's good. I we'll like ha- that. We're going to have some gotcha questions at the end. Oh, this no, isn't, there's, there's this no gotcha. isn't everybody. <laughs> I feel like you can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, I want to know more about Vino Villa, how it came to be. And um, I've only lived on the south side now for maybe 10 years, 11 years, something like that. So it's always been there, but uh, someone had to tell me about it <laughs> well, <laughs> for well, me to discover. Ricky, it hasn't always been there. And uh, you mentioned uh, from the very get-go that you were glad that we were on the south side because there, uh, there aren't a whole lot of places on the south side, uh, which frankly was one of the reasons that we started Vinoville in the first place. Um, my wife and I have a, a love of wine that uh, goes back to... Um, Shortly after college and uh, working on my MBA and uh, Medici and the uh, the MBA program that really kind of introduced us to fine wines, um, we would uh, go over to their house and they would have some just great wines that we began to enjoy and explore and eventually went off to the wine country and just loved the uh, the atmosphere, uh, kind of the relaxed you know, hang out in cool places and, you know, sip on some fun beverages. And uh, one of the things that was kind of a void on the south side was uh, a place to find good wines um, back a, a decade or so ago. And uh, so we uh, we sought to open a wine venue. Originally, the, uh, the plan was just to uh, have a place where people could come and purchase wine and take it home. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we found a really cool old building, 120 year old building in Old Town Greenwood uh, that we thought, yeah, what a, what a fun setting this would be. And as we started working on building it out and we put a sign out front that had, you know, grapes and wine bottles and stuff on it, of course the, uh, the curiosity seekers would ask us what we were doing and, and we would tell them. And the most frequent response we would get was, oh, great, we're going to have a place where we can come and hang out and drink wine. Um, and at the time, the answer was, no, I'm just going to put it in a bag and you're going to take it home. <laughs> we don't want you to stick around. <laughs> no, that, that's, that was kind of it. Yeah. it was, uh, but one of the other things we wanted to be able to do was to help people, you know, understand and experience, you know, the differences in wines and uh, be able to do tasting type of events. And to do that, uh, you have to serve them food. And so we kind of rethought what our approach was, and it turned into a little bit more of a you know, bistro-style restaurant. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, just kind of took off. So we do a lot of uh, you know, tasting type of events, and some of them are more elaborate four- and five-course wine-pairing dinners. Uh, some are as simple as, you know, a, a winery representative, maybe a winemaker showing up, opening four or five bottles of wine and, and letting folks taste as they, uh, you know, enjoy meals on the patio. And what year did Vino Villa open? How long have you been around? Um, we bought the building in 2010 and uh, opened for business in September of uh, 2011. So uh, about 12 years now. That's amazing. Yeah. Time flies. <laughs> that it does. <laughs> that it does. <laughs> my goodness, my goodness. So, let's see. I'm trying to... I've, I've been to one of those wine tastings that you're, uh, you know, the wine reps out on the patio in the little gazebo out there. That was been lovely. Um, tell us who you think, if there is one, Vino Villa's ideal customer looks what um, do they look like? Well, that's just it, Becky. I, I don't think there is a real answer to that question. Um, as Ricky alluded earlier, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. And, you know, there is an entire spectrum uh, of wines out there from, uh, you know, the very sweet wines to very dry wines, uh, wines from all over the world, from France to South Africa and Australia to, you know, right here in our own backyard in Indiana. And, you know, I think the, the important thing when you, I guess if you're going to say ideal customer, it's, it's just somebody who likes to enjoy wine, likes the experience uh, of wine, whether it be with food at a formal wine dinner uh, or just to hang out with uh, a girlfriend and, you know, celebrate her birthday with her over a, a nice glass of Moscato. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's me. Like, all of that is me. Every single thing you mentioned there. <laughs> you're, you're the ideal so, customer, so, so Ricky. Words, Ricky. Ricky is our ideal Ricky customer. Ricky is our ideal customer. <laughs> all right. We've, we've identified that. Okay. Thing. All right. I'll be your spokesperson. Oh, <laughs> so, Paul, I did not even realize that Vino Villa had a wine club. So can you tell me about that? Yeah, again, uh, Ricky, the, the idea behind the wine club was, you know, people kind of get in their own little ruts. They, uh, they have their go-to wines. This is what I drink all the time. And uh, the idea behind the wine club was you don't get to pick it, we do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, give people the opportunity to sign up. And we pick out the wines once a quarter. Uh, we have kind of a, a budgetary price point. There's a couple different levels of the club um, and a couple different options in terms of if you're a white lover or a red lover or you just want to try a little bit of everything. And so each, uh, each quarter, um, we pick a few different wines to fit into each category and each package. And usually there's some kind of theme that goes along with it. Uh, maybe they're all coming from the same winery. Maybe they're all coming from the same region of the world. Um, but there's usually a uniqueness uh, about it. Uh, maybe some wines from Georgia, the country, not the state. Okay. Um, and some people don't even realize that, you know, the country of Georgia makes wines. <laughs> and uh, so it's an opportunity for our guests to experience things 
push them a little bit out of their comfort zone and, and maybe have them try some things that they wouldn't ordinarily grab off the shelves themselves. That's exciting. I mean, I'm always looking to try something different, but I'm, I was just telling Becky earlier, sometimes I just go into a store and I just get overwhelmed. So I think an opportunity like that would be ideal. And I want to be in all the wine clubs. I know. I know. I it know. It can't happen. I know. I'm not but... making enough money, but I want to be in all the wine clubs. <laughs> we'll get there. And yours is a pickup wine club. Like everybody comes to the shop and picks up their wine. Yeah, club. it would just, I mean, uh, the, 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 the. The, the rules up for the state of Indiana yeah. with regard to shipping wine and so forth are just uh, a little bit too cumbersome. Plus, you know, wine and wine bottles are heavy, mm -hmm. uh, expensive to ship. Yeah. And so it just, uh, it makes more sense for us to uh, have the folks come in and pick them up. Yeah. So do you have a hand in the selections for the wine club or? Oh, yeah. I, okay. <laughs> we, uh, we have the unfortunate, difficult task of tasting oh. every single wine that comes into the, the villa. They're, How do you do it? Uh, it's a, you know, I don't know. It's it's a tough job, but you know Sounds somebody like has it. to watch out for the guests. <laughs> we appreciate you. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we really do. I feel so bad for you. I thought I had a hard job, but <laughs> so I've worked uh, kind of moonlighted part timed at wine places, restaurants. I'm now at a place much like yours up in uh, Westfield. Um, and like you said, you know, you intended to open up just selling wine, having a restaurant component adds a whole nother component to it. So, can, and we're uncorked here. So these can be positives or negatives, either one. We're just, we're truth tellers. And, you know, what are kind of some of the positives and drawbacks, perhaps, of being in the food and beverage industry? Well, we could probably do an entire segment on <laughs> just this question. Okay, so uh, noted. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the honest answer is probably one in the same. And having worked in the food and beverage industry, you can probably appreciate this. Uh, I think the answer to that question very easily is the people. Yep. And... Uh, you know, the people on, you know, you said we're uncorked. I mean, there, there are people <laughs> on both sides of that equation now. I, I think the, uh, the really great thing, Becky, is that the vast majority of them fall on the side of the equation that are, you know, folks that we just absolutely love, enjoy, are glad that they're, you know, coming to see us and, and shop with us and dine with us. Um, at the Villa, we have something we call the 5% rule. And I haven't done the math on this to see if it's really 5%. <laughs> but what the 5% rule refers to is that percentage of the population that it really just doesn't matter what you do. They're not going to have a good experience. Mm -hmm. Becky, you could, if you were mm -hmm. part of that 5%, you could walk in, I could tell you that Today was your lucky day, Becky. Not only was your entire meal going to be free, but my staff was going to wash your car while you were there. And you would still find something to complain about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, fortunately, uh, like I said, we could we can do an entire, you know, segment on, you know, this aspect of it. Um, but, again, fortunately, the, the vast, vast majority of the folks... Um, are just outstanding. Uh, we've, uh, over the course of the last 12 years, uh, some of the people that uh, I hang out with, go on vacations with, uh, socialize with, started as guests of the, uh, the restaurant mm -hmm. um, and are, are now very good friends. Yeah. And would you say that, um, have you struggled as a lot of restaurants have? I think it's getting a little better, but maybe you can respond to finding quality and reliable employees. Um, yeah, there. I mean, that is in fact a a challenge in this day and age. I do think that uh, we have been very fortunate in the uh, the group of folks that have you know come to the villa, stayed at the villa, worked at the villa. Uh, honestly, we've had uh, generations of family members um, where multiple children within a family have come to work at the villa. 
uh, some starting when they were, you know, teenagers in high school, coming back after college. Uh, we've had kids that uh, met there at the villa that are now married and have children wow. together. Um, there's, uh, you know, entire families uh, that have worked together at the villa. Uh, and so we've been pretty fortunate. I think we've got a, a pretty good reputation in terms of how we, we treat our employees. Uh, but it, in this day and age, um, I cannot deny the fact that some of the, uh, the work pool force out there has, uh, has been a little bit challenging to, uh, <laughs> to deal with. Yeah. I just think it's a challenge everywhere, which also sometimes yeah. I think people complain then, you know, that you're 5%. Maybe, but maybe that's a little elevated because they're just not happy with the service. And it's like some places just can't provide yeah. as high level. It's just, you know, you got to only have so many people. So Which I feel like I'm having PTSD right now. Um, I waited tables um, when I was beginning college and getting into the medical career. But I have to tell you that same 5%, they get admitted as Patients and um, yeah, kind of the same, the same people. Yeah, it's like we just bought you. They back probably from... came right from the hospital to get <laughs> yeah, some exactly. to eat. You are right. <laughs> yeah. It's like we just brought you from the brink of death, and you're complaining that you know we uh, yeah we your don't... soup is cold. Yeah, exactly, it, exactly. It's like oh, mm. I'm so sorry, but I digress. <laughs> it's it's sometimes easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get too far. I do want to talk about uh, the wines that you brought today, which thank you. I was not expecting that. Um, Paul bought us not one, not two, three bottles of wine. I don't know if I should be appreciative or offended because I'm like, how much wine do you think we drink? Well, I figured you just started this <laughs> podcast for the free wine, so I needed to deliver appropriately. Now, are we that transparent? No. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um. I'm really enjoying this. I really am too. It's delicious. So the the wine that we're drinking right now is called Eight Years in the Desert. Um, in terms of you know wines and and what to to enjoy, uh, gosh, there's there's so many answers to that question. Um, it, some of it depends on what you're doing, what uh, what meal you're having what company you're keeping. Mm -hmm. um, but I think one of the one of the common things that sticks out in my mind in terms of uh, enjoying a, a great bottle of wine comes from an experience that you associate it with yes. or yes. A, a story behind it. Um, some of the bottles of wine that I think I have enjoyed the most over the years um, may not necessarily have been because the wine was, you know, the absolute perfect mm -hmm. bottle of wine, um, but the setting or the company or the circumstances uh, made it that way. And I think, uh, you know, that, that kind of, you know, evolves into selecting a bottle of wine and, and how it hits your senses in terms of the story behind it. And so the bottle of wine in particular that we're drinking right now, Eight Years in the Desert. Um, are you guys familiar with uh, Dave Feeney and the Orrin Swift story? Not the story, just, yeah, necessarily. Okay. Do you know who Orrin Swift was? Yes. Who was Orrin Swift? You don't know who Orrin Swift was. <laughs> She's heard yeah, the name. Yes. Yeah, so so, or, She's drank his wine. Or, well, well, okay, see, there, therein lies part of the challenge. And right? it popped up on a... a I don't know if it was Facebook or something else one time, and I'm sh I think I read it, but then didn't even. Well, it's a bit of a trick question, Ricky, because okay. Orrin Swift isn't really a person. I wondered. Orrin Swift is the is a homage to the parents of the winemaker Dave Feeney, who started with uh, the Orrin Swift Winery, and Orrin is his father's middle name, and Swift is his mother's maiden name. And so he he started Orrin Swift Winery, you know, as an homage to the, those parents. And one of the very first wines that really put Dave on the map was a wine called The Prisoner. Uh, very, very familiar name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Dave eventually sold off a segment of that wine company, uh, created the Prisoner Wine Company. Uh, Orrin Swift continued on, uh, but in the process of selling off the Prisoner, the Prisoner was a, um, a Zinfandel-based uh, blend. And one of the things that uh, they required was for Dave to sign a non-compete where he could not create a similar type of wine for at least eight years. Well, when that eight years expired, um, which it did about five years ago, uh, the wine that we're drinking, I think somewhere on this bottle there should be a number five. There it is. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is the fifth release of Eight Years in a Desert. Um, the eight years in the desert refers to that eight-year period in which Dave could not create a similar Zinfandel-based blend. So, again, oh, wow. just, uh, <laughs> you know, I think not only is it a great story, but if the wine behind it isn't good, eh, the stories can be fun, but if the wine falls flat, eh, so much for the story. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I don't know. I like the story. <laughs> it has to be a, yeah. And it's delicious. It is. I, I am really, really enjoying it. I'm this trying wine. to remember if this is one. I went to, um, I, have you been to the Generous Pour at Capitol Grill before? I have not. They featured all Orrin Swift wines. The one that I went oh, wow. to, gosh, it's been a few months. It was earlier this summer. Um, I'm trying, I don't know if this was one of them we had because we had probably nine different wines. So, um, so, so I, I fell six bottles short of what I brought. <laughs> really? Okay. In our book, you've like, yeah. you achieved high Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Um, so can you tell us, obviously we can get this bottle of wine at Vino Villa. Sure. How, what is the price point for this bottle? And is it a Zinfandel blend then? It, it is. Okay. Is uh, it a blend or all Zinfandel? No, 100%? it's a, it's a okay. blend. Um, this bottle will run you retail uh, in the mid-40s, I believe. I don't okay. know the exact price off the top of my head, but... Um, should be around worth uh, every penny. It's delicious. Uh, yeah, and it's so yeah. Good. Can you tell us about the other two that you brought? So the uh, the sexual chocolate is part of the slow down wines uh, uh, group. The uh, the founder of that winery um, is a guy by the name of Brandon Allen, and you can see from the label uh, of sexual chocolate that. It looks like a handwritten love note. Mm -hmm. um, if you actually read through it, what you find is that when, uh, when Brandon uh, was first starting off in his fledgling state of making wines, uh, he was trying to get some kind of distribution on them, trying to get some kind of recognition from them. And so he would go to the bars and um, talk to the ladies and... Uh, hand them a bottle of wine and say, you know, if you really like this, uh, give me a call. And if you'll notice on the label, his phone number's actually on there. Um, it and, is. That's great. That, that is, in fact, Brandon's actual phone number. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you're kidding so, me. So uh, sometimes he'll answer it if you call it. Oh, I might have to try We that. could have him on the podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, Brandon, you know, you're, on, you're on a podcast. We, Thanks uh, for answering. We had Brandon uh, at Vino Villa for the first time. Oh, wow. uh, he, uh, he joined us just uh, just a few short weeks ago oh. uh, he was here. Uh, Brandon is quite the character, even <laughs> as uh, the, the label would imply. Um, he, uh, he sends us a Christmas card every year, and uh, he's usually in a Speedo, uh, sometimes floating in a <laughs> On pool. the Christmas card, not when he visits you, right? Correct. There was a lot of trepidation as to whether or not Brandon would actually show up in a Speedo when he came <laughs> to Minoville. Um, but, uh, no, all the Christmas cards, uh, sometimes he's on a flamingo floaty in a pool, sometimes he's, you know... Uh, popping out of a birthday cake or, or something, but <laughs> he almost always has a Speedo on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and this is a Napa wine. And um, what's the price point on this bottle of wine? Um, price point on that is uh, just under $30. Okay. And so, so the ahead. third, yeah, yeah the third bottle um, is uh, from. It's chilling in the freezer, Ricky. Yeah. Oh, I didn't okay. forget it oh. or drink yeah. it. Yeah, oh. so <laughs> the, the third bottle is a bottle of white that didn't come uh, cold. So uh, the it's from the Dow family of wines, and uh, it's called Bodyguard. And the again, 
interesting story behind you know how the Dow wines uh, came to uh, to us and, and to the United States and to the wine loving public. The uh, the Dow brothers, uh, George and Daniel, uh, the family was originally from Lebanon. Um, again, the country not, <laughs> not, not uh, Indiana, not northern Indiana, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, a a very war torn country. Uh, when the the boys were very young, uh, one of the uh, first missiles that started the Lebanese Civil War landed right on the sidewalk in front of the Dow family house. Uh, shortly thereafter, as the war escalated, uh, they left Lebanon. Uh, the mother kind of sheltered the boys out of the country. Uh, they first went to Paris, which is where they started to have a uh, an affinity and develop their love for wine. Ultimately, the, uh, the boys, Daniel and George, grew up um, went to America to follow the American dream, uh, founded a tech company uh, called uh, Dow Systems. It was a networking technology, um, made a lot of money, and then bought a mountain in uh, Paso Robles, uh, California, oh, wow. and uh, started making wine. Um, you know, I joke about buying a mountain, but truly they, they bought an area which is now called Dow Mountain, and the reason they brought bought that property was because the uh, the soil, the climate was very reminiscent of the area that they stayed in in France, and so uh, that's how the uh, the Dow brothers got into uh, to winemaking. One of the things that you'll find on all of the Dow bottles is a little bell somewhere. And the bell is representative of a replica of the bell that was in the tower of the small village that got bombed. Uh, and there were three bells originally. Um, the Dow brothers ultimately bought one of the bells, brought it to America, and now hangs in the winery. Wow. The, bell, the bell gets rang three times a year. Uh, the bell gets rang on the harvest of the grapes, the bell gets rang on the crushing of the grapes, mm -hmm. and the third time that the bell gets rung is on the mother's birthday. Wow. Ah, I love it. <laughs> Many of the, the wine, so the bodyguard refers to the mother, um, and if you look at the label, very odd labels, but uh, if you look closely at the label, what you see is a woman cloaking uh, two young boys and it is meant to uh, symbolize the mother shepherding the boys into safety. Wow, see this is, one, yeah, this is one of the things I love about wine are you learn some history, geography, all of that. I, I think that's what kind of uh, made me fall in love with wine and tasting wines and going to places and just learning more about it. Um, but coincidentally, um, that's Becky and I, that's our goal is to make enough money off this pag podcast that we are going to buy a mountain, uh, uncorked mountain is we what we're going to call it. We haven't discussed this yet, but well, it's not a terrible idea. I, mean, I thought we were on the same page here. Anyway, but we'll we get there. We can figure a lot of shit out, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah. We figured all this setup out. Doesn't that have a good ring, uncorked mountain? Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, as long as I get invited to the grand opening. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're <laughs> getting there. Oh, goodness. Um, so, I'm going to let, I'm just going to skip that question. Okay. If that's okay. Uh, that's Is okay that with me. Can yeah. you ask that one? That was one my then? favorite question. It was? I don't even know which question you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, this is one of my favorite questions, though. Um, if you weren't working in the wine industry, what would you be doing? Sitting on a beach drinking wine? Well, before, uh, before my uh, time in the, the wine business, I spent 22 years in the banking business. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that's what I wouldn't be doing. Um, uh, the uh, now the the, uh, the banking business was uh, a great foundational career. Um, had a lot of a lot of fun, and until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, but what would I be doing? I don't know. I like to build things. Hmm. Um, 
you know, much of the much of the work uh, physically that has been done at the villa, uh, I did myself, or along with friends. All of the uh, all of the wine racks inside Vino Villa are handmade. Mm -hmm. That uh, uh, I and a friend built. Um, much of the renovation uh, of the building, uh, and then the subsequent uh, repairing of you know what comes along with a 120 year old <laughs> building. Yeah. Um, you know, have rehabbed a couple of houses in the area. Uh, so. Uh, we have a place right next door uh, that we've converted into a little uh, cafe now oh, yeah. uh, that you know, I've renovated twice. Uh, once when my kids moved in to, uh, to live there, and then after <laughs> they moved out, uh, we decided to turn it into a coffee shop. So we renovated it again. Oh, wow. I didn't know that yeah. you guys owned that. Mm -hmm. I darn. The things you find out. <laughs> that's that's what I'd be doing if I wasn't sitting on a beach drinking wine. Right, right. <laughs> we'd be that's right the there next priority. Year. Well, you know, if my royalties from you know the first podcast, uh, you know, mm -hmm. get me enough money, I'll hang out on the beach all day long. Okay, you might have to go in our suitcase because we're not making any money yet. <laughs> okay. okay, we're gonna start looking for sponsors, right? Yeah, Sometime, something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked briefly when. Uh, we saw you at Vino Villa a few weeks ago about travel and the fact that I do uh, wine trips and um, maybe, maybe there's one in the future. We're not going to commit to anything right now, but um, I think, I think Paul, it piqued his interest at least a little bit and I look forward to talking to you more about that. Um, but do you, have you traveled a lot? Um, and if so, where have you been and where have you liked to travel uh, or where would you love to travel to drink and experience wine that maybe you haven't been? I feel like already? that was five questions. It was, but I feel like he's really smart. He can, can keep up. <laughs> so traveling in general um, has nothing to do with the, uh, the, the wine industry per se, um, but certainly one of our favorite places to travel is uh, the, the Caribbean uh, love to hang out on the beaches, and interestingly enough, several of the Caribbean islands are owned by the Spanish and the French, and so pretty readily mm -hmm. available to find a lot of uh, good European wines in the Caribbean. Um, the uh, we have done some traveling to wine countries, both domestically and uh, internationally. Um, have been uh, been to some wineries in. Uh, both France and Italy. Um, we went to Spain, but eh, didn't really make it to any wineries in Spain, but drank a lot of good Spanish wine. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, the Tuscan area is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, absolutely loved uh, everything about that area. We traveled uh, around... Uh, the Chianti region, we, you know, from Florence to Siena, um, just uh, had some really nice wine tasting experiences. Uh, fortunately, from being in the business, uh, had some of our vendor reps that set up some uh, pretty exclusive little tastings for us, which I think probably Amazing. made it um, even more enhanced. Uh, so, um, but just even driving around the uh, the Italian countryside and popping into little places is just, you know, uh, an unbelievably uh, great experience. Uh, places that I haven't been that I'd like to from a, uh, a wine experience, uh, Bordeaux, France, uh, have been to Burgundy um, and uh, had some pretty nice tours in Burgundy, uh, but have not been to the Bordeaux region. Uh, some of the, uh, the German, uh, mm. wine regions, uh, would be fun to travel to, uh, as well as Portugal. Portugal's on the list of places I'd love to go. Uh, Australia, um, South Africa, um, you know, there, even domestically, there are some that, uh, I've not been to, mm -hmm. uh, Paso Robles, the, uh, the wine that, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier. Dow is in the uh, the Paso Robles region, mm -hmm. and uh, would love to go there. Yeah, they make uh, some good wine there. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, that's lots of things for us to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I do. Did you know Oregon? Oregon would be a good yeah. blind tour. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Did I tell you I have a trip to South Africa planned? You did not. Yeah, March. We should talk more about that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a wine trip. <laughs> and we're doing a safari and seeing penguins, and it'll be. It's but good. first and foremost, the wine. The wine. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a wine trip. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's encouraging to hear. I, you know, I think there are some uh, some wine trips that kind of get billed as wine trips, but um, one of the things that I guess has been uh, a hesitation of ours to kind of promote has been, you know, finding that you know a, a seven day trip involved visiting one winery, uh, which doesn't really make it a wine trip as yeah. far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> I you agree. Know, agree. <laughs> so I, I will tell you that, uh, you know, having developed a lot of relationships with our guests over the last 12 years, uh, there's probably a lot of interest out there. Um, if, uh, if there's a, a product that gets put in front of uh, those guests that makes sense, I'm sure we could probably help you uh, put some of those together. And maybe come with us. <laughs> How fun would that be? Yep. Be fun. Depends yeah, it'd be on where so we much fun. Yeah. yeah, we can decide. It's, the world is our oyster. I do. I mean, I do, and I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I just feel like the the few trips, wine trips that I've done, though they've been great and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um the the way it has transformed the information that I knew about wine into visual, like this is actually how they do this, is yeah. really amazing. Um, there's just nothing else that can replace that. It's like, oh, no, this, like, we've been in the caves and we've, you know, been in the, just in the wineries and seen the production facilities Mm -hmm. and, um, usually are drinking wine by 10 (laughs) a.m. Sounds horrible. (laughs) I mean. That sounds almost as bad as Paul's job. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) Yeah. Well, I do want to ask you, though, um, because... I am a wine, um, I'm not an expert. Don't, don't use I'm the word connoisseur. Right. Oh, gosh, are. yes, I will never, <laughs> never use that word. <laughs> um, I just appreciate it. That's all. I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of knowledge. That's kind of why I piggyback off of Becky and others, people like you. Um, but I also appreciate some other adult beverages, too. So when you're not drinking wine, do you have like a preference of anything else or do you explore other explore is a good word yeah yeah equal opportunity you know adult beverage yeah Yeah. (laughs) um no i i think uh you know certainly uh you know beer beer and bourbon would probably be you know kind of my two Mm go-tos um outside of wine uh but there again um you know, on the beer side, uh, I do, you know, there's so many, you know, different craft beers out there. There's so many great producers and they all have their own little nuances. Uh, anytime that we are traveling, uh, always like to ask if, uh, you know, what's on tap that's, you know, from a local brewery. Uh, and the same thing when, when dining out, um, asking for, you know, what are the signature cocktails? And, you know, while bourbon is probably, you know, my go-to spirit of choice, and, you know, I'll often, you know, look at the, uh, uh, the, the menu to see, you know, what's got a bourbon base in it, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not afraid to explore, you know, something that looks interesting in the gin world or vodka mm-hmm. world or tequila world. So um, I think just the, the vast uniqueness of, you know, things that... Uh, you know, a, a good bartender comes up with is fun. Absolutely. <laughs> it is interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like there is a big crossover between wine and bourbon. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but um, I know like last year I went to a, a bourbon, a couple of bourbon uh, distilleries in Louisville and the tastings were set up similar to a wine tasting and uh, how they have you do different things, whether it's neat or on ice and with chocolate without chocolate and other things and just how much it changes the taste and it did remind me of wine how you can you know drink it straight from the bottle or <laughs> pour it through an aerator wait, wait you drink it? straight from the bottle or <laughs> did you uh, I did straight did from you the just bo- admitted that yeah. oh. on the podcast um <laughs> well you know what I mean 
I've never seen her do it. She usually is classy around me and drinks Yeah, there might, there might be pictures out there. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> However, I appreciate it no matter what. But it does change the taste sometimes drastically. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, have a bite of chocolate and then take a sip. It's like, it's a whole different experience every time. We're doing that on one of our winery visits on the way down to Madison. We're doing a chocolate and wine tasting. <sighs> so... Ricky's going with me to I'm, Madison, yeah, Indiana. I'm It'll be my first trip with, with Becky. Um, I do some local but, things too. We're going down to Madison, so yeah, yeah it'll be fun. But yeah, my my goal is to get to the others, so it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Speaking it into existence now. I like it. I like it. But Paul, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you being on here, and. Um, I'm excited to like let others know that may not be aware that Mino Villa is down there oh, and what you guys have to stop. offer. Like, well, thank you for that. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we're happy to, to still be around 12 years later and uh, have developed a, a pretty uh, loyal following. I think one of the things that, you know, going back to the people aspect of things, uh, one of the things that I think is a little bit of a testament to the fact that we're doing something right mm-hmm. is a, a very large number of our supporters are uh, people that we see week in and week out uh, and are pretty regular and uh, almost uh, almost family at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that just the few visits I've had there, like how many people come in and everybody knows them by name. Like, I need to be one of those people. It's also a very welcoming environment. Yeah. It's an old house with a beautiful front like porch, nice outside dining area, cute little rooms where you can just kind of cozy up if you yeah. want to. Um, great bar upstairs, all, all good things. So you've done some great things with that space, I think. Is there anything you would like our listeners to know about? Do you have any upcoming events or is there any, like, how to find you guys on social media, um, how to get into your wine club, just any kind of details you want to share? You know, I think on as far as the social media goes, we're on, you know, Facebook, we're on uh, Instagram, we have a website, and I think uh, any kind of, you know, mention of, you know, the Vino Villa name is going to take you to those places. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the events are kind of ongoing, uh, probably uh, one of the more fun ones that's coming up. Uh, certainly welcome you guys to come down and uh, dress in costume. Is, oh, uh, okay. Something that we uh, we call adult trick or treating. Uh, <laughs> oh, happens. Uh, uh, it's always the Thursday before Halloween, so I believe that's October twenty sixth this year. Okay. Um, oh, we'll usually have about uh, six different uh, wine vendor booths for tasting. Um, we'll have a costume contest. Um, people come dress up, you know, get to uh, taste a variety of different wines. And they're, they're usually kind of some fun wines that have, you know, spooky, yeah. you know, Ghost Pines uh, is, what, <laughs> is the name of one of the wineries that we've featured uh, a few times. There's a Vampire Merlot. Uh, so you can, you can kind of expect those things. Yeah. Um, just kind of some, again, some fun experiences with the wine, but... As much as anything, it's uh, it's just a fun uh, fun day, fun experience. So you're telling me I need to take October 27th off work? Yeah. That, that's you that's know, what I gathered from all that. Well, that's up to you. But. <laughs> if you can spare the vacation day, perhaps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> May as well make it a long weekend. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, we're almost in October, and by the time we probably air this, it may be. Yeah, I, yeah, it's... This month has flown by. All of it has. Yeah. So thank you very much, Paul. We will look forward to connecting with you again soon. In fact, probably immediately after this, we will continue to drink wine with you. <laughs> um, but uh, we really appreciate your time today and coming to the podcast studio. Well, yes. quite welcome. You know, if you ever need a you know last minute fill in, let me know. Oh, that's great. You're our first victim. I mean, guest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> same same thing. Right? <laughs> Oh, well, thank you again. You're welcome. Good luck with your uh, your podcast. May it bring you a mountain. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Hey, wine lovers. We had so much fun talking with Paul. 
we decide to keep it going for Uncork. But yeah, you can go ahead. Maybe this could be part of our Uncork. Oh wait, fun. Wait, part. Oh, is the, okay. the, the Uncork yeah, edited Yeah, perhaps, in? maybe. So, I'm married to someone who is in kind of in banking. He's a mortgage mm-hmm. loan officer. Oh, so he's stuffy and boring. Oh no 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 no! no. Yeah. Wow. I mean, See, I understand then, well, that. Well, then he should get out of banking. Well, he's working on that, <laughs> but. He does stand-up comedy on the side. That's oh, not wow. a way to make money. <laughs> well, that's fun, though. So I know. It is. So I want to find out, like, wh- uh, whose idea was it to, like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to just follow our dream, and we're going to open this wine one um, place. I wonder how I, you know, answer that without getting myself in trouble here. Um <laughs> So we were, we already kind of had the idea to do it. In fact, we, uh, we had already uh, purchased the property and it was, I was still working at the bank and um, fairly high up in one of the larger local banks. And uh, it just, it wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And um I think the uh, the thing that threw me over the edge was one day when my boss was meeting with me in my monthly one-on-one, and uh, he didn't like one of my responses to uh, one of his questions, and he told me that I made him want to ram his head through the wall. <laughs> to me, that seemed like the beginning of the end. Yeah, you think? Indicator, right? So, uh, you know, it, uh, it wasn't long after that that... Uh, my uh, my banking career ended, and uh, we went uh, you know full time into the the wine aspect. Um, I, you know, I do have to say that the one of the things that enables that to happen is that uh, my wife and and partner for the last you know thirty uh, forty years uh, is you know been a big supporter of mm-hmm. that both. Um, you know, physically and, and financially, um, you know, the early years of getting a business like that off the ground uh, are financially challenging. I think uh, one of the I reasons that, you know, so many businesses uh, have a tough time uh, getting to a point of success is surviving, you know, those early years of building a clientele. So, um, it, you know, it was both of us. Uh, ultimately, that made that decision together, and um, you know, fortunately, it's it's turned out to be a pretty good one. Yeah, like you said, I would imagine you both have to be in it together, and and but have that solid foundation first. I mean, not just jump right into it. Like, just come home one day, honey. I quit my job, and we're we gonna, bought this little house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be great. No, actually, uh, so I, I have to give. Uh, credit even to uh, my mother-in-law. Um, uh, so uh, my wife, Laura, um, her mother, Donna, uh, worked for us for quite a number of years uh, at Vino Villa. Uh, actually have to, uh, to give Donna credit for finding the actual building uh, that Vino Villa is located in. It wasn't really even for sale at the time. We kind of knew we wanted to be in an old house in uh, in that area, and uh, Donna just happened to be uh, driving around, saw a for sale sign, not in the front yard, but leaning against the back of the house, oh, and wow. uh, went in to inquire with the owners, and the owners indicated that, yeah, it, it had been for sale, but they weren't getting any uh, interest in it, so they took it off the market, and... You know the conversations began, and you know oh, uh, a couple months yeah. later, we uh, we owned the building. So, wow. um, you know, we uh, we unfortunately lost Donna just uh, a few short months ago. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, Donna Donna passed away in uh, April, uh, followed uh, pretty uh, pretty recently here by Laura's dad uh, Harry. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's uh, but the two of them spent. Um, you know, sixty plus uh, years of their lives together, and uh, uh, they they gave a lot to the business and the uh, the family personally. So um, we have uh, we have them to be thankful for wow. as well. Wow, that's so. an amazing story, and I I think that's interesting too that you already had envisioned that you'd like to 
open something like this, like in an old house, um, because that, I don't know, to me that didn't, that wouldn't be my first thought, but the first time I walked into Vino Villa, I was like, it just creates a mood, an atmosphere, just because of the, the building itself and having all those different rooms. I, I think it's pretty genius. Also, you have my friend's chandelier. <laughs> oh, that's right. Do you remember meeting Jim and Paula? Yes, yes. <laughs> They're the ones with the purple and green glass like chandelier. Yeah. Whatever, it's yeah. a grape. And yeah. they're like, did you go visit our chandelier? I'm like, I totally forgot. <laughs> I and then I told them last week when I saw them, because they go on all of my wine trips. God love them. I love them so much. Um, but they were like, I was like, oh, I should talk about it on the podcast. Oh, my so gosh. I'm so glad yeah. we finally got around. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's still there. Yeah, they uh, they walked into uh, to the villa one day with it, you know, in kind of, shambles and in a box and uh-huh. said and said hey do you want this like, oh, okay what is it and um we cleaned it up a little bit kind of did a little rewiring and put it back together and yeah it uh, it's perfectly That's, appropriate for yeah, a 120 yeah. really, year old house with a wine theme they're yeah. really happy that it found a home oh, i know that they oh. are they mention it a lot so. we'll have to get back there again and take a picture of it that's under the chandelier yeah <laughs> well, they can meet us there. They're good with us. They are at the Mass Ave wine tasting right now. Yeah. I'm certain, unless they're out of town. <laughs> they haven't left yet on their next trip. So, anyway, Man, this has been amazing. I, I could just sit and talk to you and pick your brain for like three or four or five hours. Well, I'll yes. come back. He does have okay. to traffic. <laughs> We really enjoyed our time chatting it up with Paul Jocklin of Vino Villa. Join us in two weeks when we talk to Dave Phillips, owner of Sugar Creek Winery in Carmel. Don't forget to not only follow listeners, but also follow us on Spotify or Apple. Your next chance to run into Rose, Ricky, and Bellini Becky will be this coming Tuesday at the Mass Ave Wine Shop. We'll be joining them for their 5.30 wine tasting. Hope to see you there.